It's the first time somebody wrote down the life of Jesus Christ. It is the book of Mark. This is fascinating. We're looking at it today. Stay tuned. My name is Rod Hembry. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And I'm Janice. And this program is called Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible. Ryan is here. Corey is off, but Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? Well, today I'm looking at the life of Simon Peter's brother and disciple of Christ, Andrew. Excellent. Look good, Janice. Yes. So, usually, this is our Fun Friday question, and usually it's Ryan and Corey and you at home that's put on the spot. But today, September the 30th, is Rod's birthday. So today he's on the hot seat. I'm going to ask a question anywhere from Matthew chapter 16 through to Mark 2. I hope you're ready. Okay. They're well, ready. Nice birthday gift. So, Jim, <laughs> I got a nice birthday gift. Jim Canlon. Yeah, hey, hey, well, I'll help you. <laughs> okay, very yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. Be- between the two of us, we should come up with the answer, or we can fake it. Okay, we'll fake it. <laughs> yeah, All right, yeah. good. Make sure that you get your Bible out. Let's look at what God is saying. Mark 1, 21 through 34. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath... He entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits... And they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, And immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 34. It's another gospel. It is the gospel of Mark. And we begin our journey today in that gospel. One of the more fascinating things that I find in today's world is the ongoing discussion people have about Jesus. Some claim that Jesus didn't really exist. 
Others claim that followers of Jesus made an icon that when he died, they faked a resurrection to immortalize their cause. On the other side of this, the discussion, historians agree that Jesus was a man who lived in the first century and was crucified under Pontius Pilate. They can see the impact he had in the society of the day. Like all history, however, knowing that an event happened does not prove the theology or the meaning of that event. Knowing that Jesus was a real man, that historical details of the gospel are accurate, still does not prove that Jesus' claims and the followers or his followers' claim about him are true. Yet, as we study in the Gospel of Mark today, even the demons, the demonic forces, knew and understood that Jesus Christ is the Holy One of God. And if the demons understood that, my question is, why can't we get that? That's a really good question. Now, if you have your guide, we're on the last day, uh, take it out and let's study in it. If you don't have your guide, you can call us or you can write to us. Um, and Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Thank you for doing that. And if you do that, you can see a couple of things there. You can see a 24-7 stream that streams videos, the programs and this program and the others. You might be watching this program from there, and that's great. Great to see you on Bible Discovery TV stream. But that's at, that's at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And the programs are there and the live streams there. And there's a lot of good reading there. Matlock Babechko does a great job at programming that. But if you click on the Bible guide, it takes you to a page that looks exactly like this and looks exactly like this. And you're seconds away from joining us. And as we join today, <laughs> we're looking at the demons know Jesus. And there's a lot of people who say they don't know God, they don't know Jesus. Jesus was a man, but the, the demons know him as the son of God. I mean, come on, guys. So we're going to look at that. And Father, I pray today, as we open up your word and we look at the gospel of Mark, which is a high speed, fast paced, 16 chapters, that you would show us your way and teach us your path. This first gospel ever written from the notes of Peter, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that as we read John Mark, what he said, help us to hear your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, amen and amen. Now, let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 1, and we'll go down 20 verses. We'll begin in verse 21. Here is what it says. This is interesting. Then they went to Capernaum and immediately, that word is used a lot in Mark, immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. For Jesus taught them as one having authority. Jesus taught them as one having authority and not as the scribe. Now, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And this man cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and he cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. 
Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. This is fascinating. I want to tell you something. The demonic spirit knew who Jesus Christ was, the Holy One of God. The authority of Jesus Christ is absolute truth, beloved. Jesus has authority. In fact, all authority in heaven and earth. And I'm telling you, you can torture me, you can persecute me, whatever you want to do. But I have Jesus in my life because I have submitted myself to his will. I pray every morning, Father, as much as I can, Father, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I align my spirit with God. And that's something that we all need to do every day. Very, very important. Well, let's read on. It says in chapter 1, verse 29, Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's, or Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. And so he came, Jesus did, and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. And she served them. That's just stunning. A touch from Jesus Christ healed Peter's mother-in-law. She got up and served them. You see, when the Lord touches our life, we are changed. We serve him because we love him. I serve Jesus Christ because I love him with all my soul, with all my heart, with all my mind. He has changed me, helped me, and everywhere I go, I know he's with me. And so, beloved, whatever this world, the wars, the conflicts, the political mess, everything that's happening, Jesus Christ has me. And I look to him for help and trust in him. Something that we need to say today, isn't it? Very interesting. Let's go back to the scripture. Matthew chapter 132, at evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick, those who were demon possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out many demons. And Jesus did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Remember, the demons knew him. Jesus healed the sick and he drove out the demons in many of the people who came to him. Beloved God sent his word, Jesus, Logos, Jesus, to heal us and to deliver us from our destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. That is exactly what this ministry has brought or has has. Uh, been created around. And that's exactly what God said. And so, beloved, when we understand that, we thank the Lord for everything he's done. Father, thank you today for the great way in which you preserve us and help us in the midst of this world, which is just a mess. Help us today, Lord, to seek your face and to follow you. Help the Christians to truly seek your face 
Help every believer to look to you and no one else. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all of us said to, together, make it so, Lord. We said, amen. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. In today's report, I'm examining the life of Simon Peter's brother and disciple of Christ, Andrew. And the reason I want to bring a spotlight on Andrew today rather than on the more prominent Peter is because even though Andrew is often in the background, without his influence on his brother, Peter may have never followed Christ and the history of Christianity might have taken a very different path. So let's take some time to really get to know this biblical hero of faith. Andrew, one of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ, though very much a behind-the-scenes disciple, carried out one of the most far-reaching religious coups in all history. He convinced his hot-headed, independent, domineering brother, Simon Peter, to follow Jesus. Had it not been for Andrew, the history of Christianity might have taken a very different path. It is difficult to contemplate this centuries-old faith without the larger-than-life Simon, Andrew ever in the background. Originally, Andrew was a disciple of the desert prophet John the Baptist. But when Jesus arrived on the scene and John declared him the Lamb of God, Andrew's heart was stirred. He, along with another of John's disciples, followed Jesus home that day, and Andrew brings Simon Peter to Jesus. Apparently, it was sometime after this, when Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and officially called Peter, Andrew, James, and John into discipleship, and taught them to be fishers of people. This was very significant since Andrew was working alongside his brother, helping their father manage a prosperous fishing business. He was from Bethsaida, a place which means house of fishing, located on the northeast coast of the Sea of Galilee. Also involved in the fishing business were James and John and their father Zebedee. Another of Jesus' disciples, Philip, was also from Bethsaida, and both he and Andrew bore Greek names, which could explain why they seemed to be so closely connected. The first account of Andrew and Philip together is at the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus sees the hungry crowd, he asks Philip where bread might be bought. Philip replies, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. However, Andrew interjects that there is a boy who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Jesus, of course, subsequently feeds to the full the entire multitude with this small meal. Andrew and Philip also appear together in John chapter 12. When a group of Greeks come to the feast of Passover during Jesus' final week, they approach Philip and request to see Jesus. Philip tells Andrew and together they inform Jesus. This account suggests that both Philip and Andrew spoke Greek. As author Ruth Tucker observes, Andrew, more than the other disciples, brings people to Jesus. First his brother, then the boy with the bag lunch, and finally at the Passover dinner, when he escorts a delegation of Gentiles to meet his master. Andrew is faithful to his calling, the quiet man in the back pew who does little more than simply bring people to Jesus. Andrew would also have the privilege of being one of only four men to be given inside information about the end of time. 
Indeed, in a private meeting, now known famously as the Olivet Discourse, Jesus revealed the future to Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Now, personally, I really appreciate Andrew and those godly saints like him because though often overlooked, they're really important, and I would even say critical for the mission of God. Just think of Andrew's influence on Peter, who founded the church. Remove Andrew's influence, and who knows what would have happened. So remember, if you're someone who serves God behind the scenes, then you need to know that you're just as important and critical to God's kingdom and those who are in public view. Take it from Andrew. Be encouraged. Thank you, Ryan. That, that's really good. And uh, the, a lot of people say, well, I'm only this or I'm only that, but that's not how God looks at it. God looks at it. Everything that we do is very, very important. Okay, yes. Janice. Our fun Friday our fun question. Friday. Before and we talk to Jim Canelon, our guest, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite Jim to join me on this yes. question. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Today, September 30th, is your birthday, but we have just found out that tomorrow is actually Jim's birthday mm -hmm. as well. So I am flanked by birthday people. <laughs> That's pretty wonderful. But, but tomorrow, you don't have a Saturday. For him tomorrow. I do not. I do. Well, I could come so up with to, one. We have but, to put all it right. Well, today. We'll, we'll, all right. We'll, uh, we'll share on this one. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm here so, to help you. Thank you. That's a true friend. <laughs> and is. of course, usually it's Ryan and Corey. Now, Corey is away on maternity leave right now. She'll be coming back for the 2023 programs, Lord willing. And so this is for you and for Rod and for Jim. And Ryan, you can ch cheer, chip in too if you want. That's okay. All right. So here's Any the question. Help would be appreciated. All Go right. Ahead. So this is anywhere from Matthew 16 to Mark 2. It's an open book test, of course. You can take your Bible and open it up. Which of Jesus' disciples did he take to watch and pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane? Which ones did he take into the Garden with him? Number one, was it Peter, James, and John? Was it two, Philip, Andrew, and Matthew? Or was it three, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Judas? Who do you think it was? Here's the, here's the answers again. One, Peter, James, and John. Two, Philip, Andrew, and uh, Matthew. Or three, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Judas. Let what me, say you? Well, let me ask Jim a question. How do you say Peter, James, and John in Hebrew? How, do, how would you say their names? Not Aramaic, but in Hebrew. Uh, James is Yaakov. Yaakov. Yeah, John is... Uh, um, that's a tough one. It could be. Uh, You've really put. Could be Johann. Johann and Jakob. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and uh, Peter. P Peter. Uh, um, Evan. Rock, Evan, Jakob, and Jakob. Uh, you know, don't quote me on that. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's it. See, see, my kids, my kids are fluent in Hebrew because they went to Hebrew schools in Jerusalem. Yeah. Kathy's really good because she was doing all the shopping, you know, for the mm -hmm. family and stuff. So her street Hebrew is terrific. I'm really the slow coach. You know, I, I, can, I can get along reading it, in, you know, slowly, slowly when I'm doing my Bible studies. But uh, speaking it, I'm really bad. Well, I can tell you that Peter, James, and John uh, are the are the ones. I'm pretty Do sure. Do you agree with that? that? Yeah, yeah. They're they're called the three. You know, you had the twelve, mm -hmm. but then you had the three. They were sort of the inside group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And interestingly, a lot of people don't realize this. There were another seventy on top of that who followed Jesus everywhere. Uh, they were the ones he sent out on one occasion to do evangelism. Right. And then on top of that, there were maybe a couple hundred. Jesus, when he was itinerating, was like a small village. Yep. Yeah. There would be anywhere from three to 500 people following him around, wherever he went. But the elite three, Peter, James, and John, which caused some tension with the other uh, nine. 
Uh, there, there, there were egos at work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and James and John, they were even more egotistical because they didn't have the guts to do it themselves. But they got their mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, yeah, they got their mother to go to Jesus and say, now would you put one on one side and one on the other side when you, of your throne when you establish your kingdom? When the other disciples found out about it, man, were they ticked. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, Jesus had to deal with that, too. Yeah, yeah. Of course, ego edging God out. There you go. Uh, there you that's go. what it means. So, you, you know, I learned that Ooh. from a producer who taught me from in Hollywood school. But anyway, there you go. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so that is the right answer. It's Peter, James, and John. And in that scripture, Matthew 26, 36 through 37, it calls James and John the sons of Zebedee. So you would need to have to go back and reference exactly who they were. But they were James and John. Let Very me, good. Let Very me good. ask you a question because you do a program, we do it here, and Ryan is the producer right. of the program, Jim Kennel on Today. Right. It's a weekly program. It's on many stations. We're getting it on more stations. But this is a program that reads through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts because Acts is book, book two of Luke. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to go through John. So tell us about that. Well, you know, uh, we're in Mark right now, right? We just started Mark. Yep. Um, Acts, isn't it? We're in Acts. Are you in Acts? Where are you? Well, no, no, we're in, in Mark. the program oh, today. Program. Oh, in yes. this program. I wasn't sure. No, no, in my program, I'm in Acts. Yeah, okay. But, but like yeah. I said the other day, you guys are so fast. <laughs> I can't, I can't we're like keep, the book of Mark. Immediately, yeah, I, I immediately. Keep, I can't keep up with you. I mean, it took me, it's taken me five years to get through Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and, and not e- even through Acts yet. Anyway, uh, Mark, Mark was the, uh, the first of uh, the gospel writers. And he kind of provided, if you will, a rough draft for Matthew and Luke. John, he pretty much depends on his own memories, you know. But uh, Matthew and Luke, you, you, you see them very much influenced by Mark's uh, basic draft copy. Mark is um, almost bullet point in his uh, style. He, he doesn't uh, sweat the details. You know, he, he jumps around. He gives, you know, sometimes in one sentence he'll give you, you know, something that's worth uh, five hours of study. But anyway, what's interesting about Mark is that he was a kid. His mother, Mary, was quite wealthy. She was a widow. She uh, owned a kind of a complex in Jerusalem. She had this large house with a, with a second story, which we know as the upper room. It became sort of uh, the central location for Jesus and the disciples when they were in Jerusalem. And Mark was just a little kid, and he's hanging around while these, you know, these rough uh, fishermen from the Galilee are coming in and out of town, and Jesus is coming. I mean, he... And he's watching and listening and probably getting in the way. Uh, Peter showed a real interest in him and really eventually refers to Mark as his son. Uh, he eventually ended up kind of being the, um, the go-to guy for Paul and Barnabas in the missionary travels. He, you know, he booked the ships. He paid the bills. He did all the administrative stuff so that Paul and Barnabas could do the preaching. Um, at one point, Paul got a little upset with Mark for some reason, which is not mentioned. Uh, and fired him for a while, and then eventually asked him back. But when you ask me about the, the Gospels, Mark really uh, interests me because of his being the original historian, if you will. Luke, I really love Luke because Luke was not an eyewitness. Luke was a researcher. He was an historian. He was also a freed slave who studied medicine and the Greek language. Uh, he was probably educated in Alexandria. He ends up living mainly in Antioch. Uh, but Paul refers to him as a dear and glorious physician. He was so brilliant. And uh, his book, Luke and Acts, is referred to by many scholars as some of the finest Greek literature ever written. 
But what I love about Luke is his, um, his honesty. Like he starts out by saying, I, well, in fact, just, just, I know we're out of time here. Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses. He's talking to eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. He wasn't an eyewitness. He's an historian. Okay. And I, I, I love his, um, his honesty and his support of Paul when you get into Acts. Um, so I, I really, really love it. John, John figured that Jesus loved him the best. You know, and I, you know, I'll give him credit for feeling that way. Uh, I suppose he's very human in that sense. You know, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> I'm the one that was closest to him. I'll be talking uh, about that tomorrow. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Seven minutes on, John. Yeah. He, you know, he gets over himself, you know. And eventually, you know, on the Isle of Patmos, he has that remarkable revelation that we read in the last book of the Bible. And the voice behind it is the sound of the trumpet, and it scares him. Oh, I, I know, no, no. John, John is very human. Um, but he, what I love about John is he, he presents God as love, you know, and he's really strong on love. And when people have just come to faith in Christ for the first time, I encourage them to read the book of John first. Yeah. Matthew is a really cool guy, cool guy. He was an outcast. He was he was a publican. He was a tax collector. He was a turncoat. He was a Jew working for the Romans, twisting money out of people. And everybody knew he was surcharging. Nothing they could do about it. That's why tax collectors were so wealthy and so hated. Do you know that even the poor wouldn't accept alms from a, a, a from a tax collector? Really? Yeah, he couldn't vote. He he was basically persona non grata. He was unkosher in every sense. The fact that Jesus invited him to be one of his followers was so politically incorrect, but he did it. And I, I, Matthew, Matthew had this uh, very strong messianic expectation. He really presents Jesus, you know, as as the as the as the Messiah. And I, uh, so anyway, what have I learned? I'm still learning from these guys, you know. And so when I wrote uh, Canelon's casual commentary, which uh, time for me to plug it, right? Do that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I took a lot of time with Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, and John. It's a, it's a 21st century guide to the life of Jesus for the internet generation. Um, you can access it on any uh, online retailer, or you can get it through wowmission.com, my website, for my mission's web, website, or jimcandelontoday.com. But the point is, friends, that the Bible needs our time. You guys have done such a great job and have done faithfully now for about 20 years, just exposing the scripture to people. I'm trying to follow in your wake and just kind of fill in some of the details that in this blaze of Bible discovery, that, whoa, 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 are we, are we there already? How do we get there that quickly? But the point is, and I know this is true, people are reading along, right? And there's no better book than the Bible. I want to remind you of three times that we have a prayer meeting in the week on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I want to encourage you to join us for that time. Now, I wanna pray today and let's pray together and let's pray this way. Lord, I need your help. I need your help in my thinking. I need your help in decisions. So this is what I need today. Help me, Lord. 